what an emotional night. Glover retired, Shogun retired, Figgy retired from 125, and wow, was that main event brutal. I seriously didn't think anything would top Lauren Murphy's fight in that regard for the rest of the event, but I was completely wrong. Two fights on a single card where it really felt like the corner, or the referee, or the doctor, or the police probably should have stepped in and done something. So let's explore that here along with everything else that happened in a wild night in Brazil. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and I want to know, was Glover too tough for his own good? What's up, guys? Bailey here. Just a quick one for you. Ridge are offering 40% off their wallets if you go to ridge.com slash MMA On Point. Here, Tom, show us your wallet. If you don't want some boring old man wallet, there's over 30 different styles to choose from as well, including titanium and carbon fiber. They were kind enough to send us a few so we could get our hands on them, and I have to say the first thing I noticed is definitely the quality. They're incredibly sleek, and you can fill up to 12 cards at once without that annoying wallet bulge. Make sure you get the best offer by using our link, ridge.com slash MMA on point. And you can save up to 40% through December 22nd. Is that one yours? No, well, this one's mine, actually. That one. Would that take that one? Let's run down UFC 283 so we're all on the same page. Jamal Hill threw everything at Glover Teixeira to the distance and won the vacant light heavyweight title with 50-44s across the board. Brandon Moreno ended his flyweight title saga with Davison Figueredo via a nasty shot to the eye that saw a between-rounds Connor special Dr. Stoppage. Gil Burns reminded everyone why he's top five with a perfect fight against Neil Magny. First-round arm triangle finish. Jessica Andrade performed a three-round ultra combo on Lauren Murphy for two 30-25s and a 30-26, and Johnny Walker TKO'd Paul Craig holding his leg in just over two minutes. The prelims had some fantastic finishes. Here are the results. I would highly recommend going back over them if you get a chance, or for some reason missed them, maybe the NFL playoffs. Now that we've run down the card, let's run down the numbers. The UFC's first trip to Brazil since the Pandy saw 15 fights, 7 KO TKOs, 3 subs, and 5 decisions for a total cage time of 2 hours, 27 minutes, 14 seconds. Only three dogs would win on the night, shout out to the Capital Wasteland. 11 favorites won and a pick'em. Hill by decision was a plus 850. Nobody thought he could go the distance. He averages a KO every 62 significant strikes. He landed 232 on Glover Teixeira, so he would have knocked out like three and three quarters of other fighters. That was the most six strikes Glover had absorbed in a fight by 94, and that difference is more strikes than he was hit with in 23 of his WEC and UFC fights total. Figgy and Moreno spent 77 minutes, 26 seconds in the cage together over the course of their tetralogy. With just 12 total, that was the least strikes Gilbert Burns has ever thrown in any fight in his career, earning him our any percent award. With 231 to Murphy's 100, Andrade set the record for the most significant strikes in women's flyweight history in a single fight, as well as the biggest differential. And Johnny Walker has only ever won a UFC fight in the first round, earning him our early bird award. But the stats can only tell us so much. Let's talk about what really happened. Okay, so first, let's address Lauren Murphy and Glover Teixeira taking an ungodly amount of punishment in their fights. Is there such a thing as too tough for your own good? Of course, I think that in the long term, absolutely, and Glover expressed this in his post-fight interview, that maybe continuing his career just because he could handle it wasn't the best idea for his future, for his life outside the cage. In the short term, in the moment, I don't think we can really expect fighters to say, I've had enough. Of course, given their mentality, 
mentality they're going to fight until they cannot fight anymore. It's not their job to focus on their own safety. That is what everyone else is there for. So I can't look at Lauren or Glover and say, I really wish the two of you would have had the perspective on your fight to say, I probably need to stop because it's not worth continuing giving my chances of turning this around versus the damage that I'm taking and what it might mean for me long term. That is for the corners, for the officials, for the people who are there who are supposed to have the fighter safety in mind. John Anik said on commentary that John Hackleman before the fifth was talking about stopping the fight, but it appeared the other corners were not on the same page. And this is not something new. We've seen this time and time again. It's a part of the culture of the sport. There's this stigma about calling a fight from the corner. It's really an unfortunate thing. And while I don't think it's as much of an excuse as the fighters themselves have, it is more than I can say for the officials, who I felt really did a disservice last night. But all that said, this is something that happens at least once every few months or so, and is way too ingrained in the fight community to probably ever change. So I could jump up on my soapbox here and talk about how we need to look at quote-unquote quitting differently in MMA, but I think I might as well be yelling into the void. Speaking of, how about that crowd entirely abandoning poor Glover Teixeira as he poured his heart out in retirement after giving absolutely everything he had for 25 minutes? It was just heartbreaking. It reminded me of when JDS got booed after he was battered by Kane. I mean, what the hell, people? I know you want to beat the traffic, but come on. And they threw a bunch of shit at Brandon Moreno as well. He plays with fucking Legos all day, and he seems like a super nice dude. There was no beef at the end of that thing, and it's not his fault the doctor stopped the fight. I mean, come on. Bad crowd. If we did a top 10 worst crowds, this one would be way up there. All right, on to some positive stuff, though. Jamal Hill really shocked a lot of people. Not that him winning was necessarily a surprise, but the manner in which he did it. He was there with the cardio all five rounds, and he was measured. He was able to get himself out of a few really sticky spots on the ground, handled everything about as well as you could offensively and defensively against a guy who just would not go down. It was a masterful performance. Shades of Dillashaw versus Barrow, if I do say so myself. Obviously not to the same extent, but a similarly awesome and unexpected performance. I think Hill really earned the respect that wasn't necessarily going to be there winning that vacant title against Teixeira. And while we wait for the return of the Samurai, Ankh is clearly next in line, so we'll see how that all plays out. The light heavyweight title sits in the shadow of JBJ, a full three years after he left. But Hill showed that maybe the future is right now for the division. Maybe he's been the dark horse this whole time and will be the next long reigning champion that adds that legitimacy back to the light heavyweight title. No matter what happens, I think it's going to be exciting to see how his reign is going to play out. What an absolute treat it was to watch Figgy and Lego Man fight four times. One of the best rivalries the sport has ever had, especially from a competitive standpoint. This one is only going to look better with age. I would have gladly watched a fifth and sixth fight between these two, but with Kratos moving up to 135, it would appear that this story has met its end, and that's okay too. I loved every second of it, and I wish so much for more rivalries like that one. As for the future of 125, now Moreno can focus on the other contenders. Pantoja is very likely next, maybe another go at Royval after that. There's some potential threats coming up in the ranks as well. Flyweight will remain interesting, I do believe. Gilbert Burns looked just fantastic in his win. The Colby Covington callout afterwards was perfect, and it's the fight he needs if Colby isn't going to fight Hamzat, but if he can't get that one, Bilal would make a lot of sense too. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Burns, but he's just as viable a threat as any other contender right now, and I think he aims to show that. Alright, so now that we've talked about what really happened on this card, let's wrap this thing up. Minus the crowd being pretty awful towards the end, this was a great return to Brazil. I can't believe it's been as long as it has, and I do hope that they come back more often in the future. There's just something about these cards that are special, and the Knights saw a lot of really awesome moments, particularly on the prelim 
prelims and with some fun debuts. 2023 so far hasn't brought the MMA world much to be happy about, but for all the sadness that 283 brought with it, it also felt like a pretty solid return to form, and it had that big card feel that's been missing. The good thing is there's some absolutely massive events coming up, and I think those will hopefully sweeten what's been a pretty sour run as of late for the sport overall. Let's just hope everybody stays healthy and nobody gets an unwelcome visit from USADA. Not naming any names. But how did you guys feel about 283? Should the main event have been stopped? What about the Murphy fight? Give us all your takes. We love reading them down in the comments. It's like a fun little microcosm of the whole MMA world down there. I must give a huge thanks to one of the greatest people I know truly, Max Randall, for his incredible edits on these videos. Seriously, just knocks it out of the park every single time. Please go follow him on his socials, like and subscribe to our channel because you know you want to, and I'll see you guys next autopsy. It's going to be a crazy year, I can already tell.